Hey folks, welcome to Your Basket is Empty, the space where I sit down with the world's most interesting brands and digital agencies to unpack where they're at, where they're going, and how they're navigating the consumer landscape. I'm your host, Tim. So I'm changing up the format a bit for the rest of the year. I'm moving from a season-based schedule to weekly episodes. This will continue into next year also. I really appreciate you tuning in. So if you've got any feedback, you can hit me up at timatyourbasketisempty.com. On episode 61, I sit down with Addison Clark. Addison is a Birmingham-based consultant and co-founder of the fashion brand P&Co. He now, via Common Agenda, his boutique consultancy, works with founders and agencies to help brands succeed in the D2C space. We discuss how our love of music and motorbike coffee tattoo culture led to the creation of the brand, the power of community building and DIY content for early stages of growth, why they focused on psychographics, not demographics, why we need to rebrand the term influencer, pivoting from a brand to an agency, and the best piece of advice if you're starting your own brand. Before we get into it, quick word from my sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com slash your basket is empty to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash your basket is empty. Enjoy the episode. Addison, welcome to the pod. How are you and where are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, so I am in Stourbridge, which is kind of west of Birmingham, near Worcestershire, kind oh. of on the suburbs. So is yeah. that where the source is from? Is that like that? Must yeah, be I've heard. Brand. Yeah, the Midlands yeah. is um, has produced quite a few um, interesting people and brands. <laughs> yeah, interesting. The condiment capital of uh, of the UK. Um, yeah. So uh, I usually like to start with a bit of a rewind. So tell me about the origins of P and Co. Like how did it start? And I'm very curious about the early years. I find mm. that early stage is always there's a lot of nuggets of interesting stuff. So yeah, talk me through it straight in <laughs> like that um so i guess the the brand um it it, it started in in the very early days of of i guess two people kind of aligning um interests and i guess our, our future goals in, in what we wanted to do to be honest so my co-founder lee we kind of met in and amongst a few kind of projects so i think we were working with his band at the time, actually kind of, you know, writing music, <laughs> I was kind of working with a record label kind of going in and helping them kind of, you know, give these brands that they were working with a, a, an identity. So looking at, you know, what they would wear, what their album cover would look like, what the video shoot should look like. So in a sense, I was kind of branding and kind of helping market, you know, these, these kind of musicians and, and bands at the time. And that's kind of how I, you know, kind of met Lee, um, and then we kind of hit it off, you know, we were into the same things. We liked, you know, the coffee culture, I guess. We liked tattoos. We liked artwork. We liked the same kind of music. You know, we loved kind of West Coast, you know, custom Mustangs and, and cars and that whole kind of way of life. So we just kind of hit it off, off off the back, really. And I think some of the kind of interest that I just spoke about, you probably would see if you go onto any P&Co Instagram, it's still those kind of, you know, uh, interests uh, and passions that the brand has, has kind of fully in, embodied, I guess. So, yeah, we kind of started our, our relationship working on the band. Um, 
the kind of marketing and design and then very quickly started to think okay we the way we work together is really um you know compatible in terms of he would you know kind of spearhead the creativity the design you know actually doing the do and then i would come in and kind of ask all of the questions so why are we going to use this font why is it this color why are we saying this message so I guess I've always been able to to come up with the right questions to get the right output. <laughs> so that kind of two two piece, you know, kind of um, collaborative approach was was really good. Um, we found it it worked, and we created some really interesting artwork and some really interesting kind of video shoots and and campaigns for the for the the bands that we were working with. Um, and one kind of Christmas, we kind of sat down and uh, had a few. Um, drinks in in Birmingham we were actually handing over a physical a physical USB drive of designs to a band in Birmingham because at that point I think it was t- 2012 you know we we transfer wasn't the thing so yeah. yeah it was easy just to go and meet the people we were working with and kind of say there you go there's your designs yeah, <laughs> yeah. um and sat down kind of off, off, off the back of that and kind of just said, you know, what does the future look like? And, you know, this big kind of, you know, wafty conversation uh, that ultimately kind of led to, you know, we both loved fashion. We both loved brands. Uh, and at the time, there wasn't any kind of brands that were spearheading, you know, kind of community. And, you know, you, you'd got All Saints, you'd got Levi's that were appealing to us. You'd got, mm-hmm. you know, Bell Staff, those kind of brands who were very much we're here. This is what we do. This is what we make. It wasn't, you know, kind of involving their customers and, and building this whole kind of, kind of narrative around, you know, what their brand was, what they stood for, what their values were, what their mission was. Uh, we we thought in terms of that space, so a brand that would appeal to us at the time, there wasn't really anything there. So that's kind of where the idea of, of PNK kind of stemmed from. We kind of thought, well, you know, let's let's give it a go. Let's yeah. let's start a clothing brand that would fill, you know, that niche and create a brand that that we would love to wear and we would love to be a part of. And so, yeah, talk me through the point of the the big wafty ideas, and then what were the next stages? Did you guys both quit your jobs and just go fully into it? Did it was it like a side thing for a while that got more serious? How did that kind of work? Yeah, so. I guess the big wafty idea, um, I, I guess it's, it, it, it was probably a wafty idea for probably about a year. <laughs> yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. you know, we started. But you were mulling around. on it, right? Like mulling yeah, exactly. on the idea and like, you know, yeah, exploring. Yeah, so it. figuring out what it would be called, you know, kind of what what our design aesthetic was going to be, mm-hmm. what what our messaging was going to be, where we kind of positioned ourselves. So, you know, that, that all kind of came from just market research, really, and kind of seeing, you know, taking elements from brands that we liked, I guess, and, you know, merging them into P&Co and adding in some things around kind of community and the way that we kind of use social media. But I guess at the start, it was very organic. So, you know, we didn't set out and write a brand strategy document or a business plan or a social media strategy. We just we just started to do the do. Yep. <laughs> so we yep. set up an Instagram, we set up a website, we actually set up a big cartel at the time. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> we, I've, used big, I've used big cartel before. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. It's, it was basic, but it works. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and just started to be really passionate about the, the brand on, on, on social media and kind of, you know, found our first um, T-shirt printer within the UK. So we're like, okay, we want to make products. We want to make T-shirts, hats, you know, we want to be a, an apparel brand. So we kind of started out, you know, grassroots, where where are we going to source this product from? So um, really kind of started from from the bottom. And we, did, um, we didn't quit our jobs until probably the second year. 
uh, and we just funded everything ourselves. Just you know, <laughs> any bit of spare cash it would go straight back into stock. So we just reinvested and reinvested and reinvested. So we could build out organically that kind of product range, uh, and it happened very, you know, very naturally over the first couple of years. But I think that one thing that stayed true was we always asked those big questions. You know, who we are, where are we going, what do we want to achieve, why are we doing this? Because you know, if you can answer all those questions. It's essentially a brand strategy document. So we'd always have this really super refined brand strategy so that anything that we were doing, we made sure it aligned to our purpose, our values, because we knew we wanted to, you know, be a, a brand for the long haul. We didn't want to kind of jump on a, on a on a trend and try and, you know, kind of ride that wave, albeit we did with the beard and tattoos and motorbike scene, but that yeah. was naturally. Um, but we, we kind of made sure that we, um, you know, we, we were kind of st- true to that to those questions to that kind of position that we wanted to be in so talk me through you've mentioned like social and community but i'm curious about like what were some of the early growth successes that you guys had can you pinpoint anything and i suppose which we'll get onto in a bit you were operating at a time where maybe things were i wouldn't necessarily say easier but like customer acquisition was very different right than kind of Mm. what it is now so talk me through some of those early growth successes that you guys had or you know any or or failures (laughs) equally as good where things didn't go to plan yeah no definitely well yeah uh, we didn't kind of start you know with a a a full funnel you know big marketing strategy paid owned earned we didn't you know we just started with things that we knew so at the time it was social media it was word of mouth it was it was community so you know kind of doing collaborations with local artists and people within you know, the kind of ecosystem that would we, we kind of made relationships with and, and kind of did campaigns with. But I think that one of the things that really did make us stand out from everyone else was just that the way we kind of used our Instagram from a stylistic point of view, it was very, you could tell it was a P&Co post, you could tell it was our Instagram, just because we put a lot of time and effort into kind of curating that feed and making sure that, you know, if you're going through a week, we weren't just posting, you know, the same T-shirt every day. It was, okay, what's our customer going to be doing on a Monday? They're probably going to be commuting to work, grabbing a coffee, you know, kind of getting stuck in in the day. So how can we be a part of that person's day on social media? And that's the kind of strategy that we took. We made sure that any everything we did was community-centric and those messages that we were putting out were going to be to connect with someone on their day-to-day um, kind of life. So we made sure that all of those posts would make sense for a person's day and when they're on social media and that was at the time when it was the chronological feed on instagram so we could we'd make sure it was you know morning with the post would go out at you know half seven in the morning and then wednesday you know hump day would be kind of 1 p.m um we, we really kind of honed in that kind of social media strategy for the first couple of years and actually didn't spend any money on you know facebook ads or google ppc or seo um until probably four or five years into the brand everything we did for the first kind of couple of years was just organic was community building was was content marketing it was you know creative ideas that kind of that did land um and then one of the failures was when we did turn on google advertising which was myself doing that with one of our kind of digital marketing execs um we forgot to limit the um the location so i think we spent about two grand in a week <laughs> because we just overserved in like india <laughs> so we just showed up for t-shirt in all of these locations kind of came in the next day and thought 
uh, oh shit so yeah that's when it had to get um a bit serious and you know kind of put a a few um um yeah, a few Checks kind of balances rules, in, rules in place. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, uh, bar your maybe not big Indian market, but what does the customer, what did the customer kind of look like and how did they kind of <coughs> change and evolve over time? My sense is the kind of style and aesthetic that you guys were sort of tapping into maybe hasn't changed that much. And it feels to me like you've got an interesting, uh, like, spot where uh, the style and aesthetic is not generational list like i don't think it but but there's you can kind of follow the customer as they get a bit older did, did you find that and like or did you find that you were sticking with a similar kind of demographic and you followed them um really good question actually so i think demographic for us um it was always you know and it, for a lot of brands it is it is a tough one because you can go you know demographic this is the age this is the you know kind of gender. This is where they're based. This is what they they're into. So you can get kind of super, um, super specific with the demographic. But we we always tried to you know go for the psychographic. So what people were interested in. Interesting. So we always kind of focused on well, we the brand is about you know thrill seeking, freedom, um, you know creativity. It was about being brave. You know, you wouldn't wear a T-shirt with a massive back print of a skull on fire if you weren't a brave type of person, I guess. True, true. Um, So we, we would all, all, always focus on people's interests and kind of the psychographics. And I guess that that's probably why it hasn't changed because those interests and those, um, you know, the psychographics and those values almost have been, you know, true since probably three three years into the brand when we really kind of refined that. Um, so I guess that, that, and the style that goes into that, that probably is where P and Co comes into its own, because I guess any, any brand could kind of have similar values, but I guess then it's what you layer on top of that with yeah, imagery totally. and, and products is kind of how you, how you kind of make your mark. And this is, this is how we look, and this is, this is what we sell. Um, but those kind of products have always kind of stayed the same. And probably a couple of years ago, we really refined, you know, the, the offering. So Jordan, who's now the kind of CEO, he kind of really wanted to get behind, right, this is our range, this is our core product, this is what we're going to do for collection launches, and this is what we're going to do to kind of test the market and bring in new, you know, m- new products and new categories. So he spent quite a lot of time on that and kind of figured out this is this is what we are going to be as a brand in terms of the values and where we're going to sit, and then this is what we're going to sell, and this is what we want to be known for. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's a really interesting plan. I think you touch on a good point that the kind of that strategy may not be as successful when you're you've got quite a niche. So you can layer that niche on top of what is a very interesting kind of like base strategy of like the core values, the aesthetic, you know, the feeling is like sort of like a universal thing. But you I suppose like surfing would be another interesting mm-hmm. like avenue yeah, of that, right? Like you definitely. can kind of take that or skateboarding, you know, like mm-hmm. that sort of world, mm-hmm. right? Like um but if you were trying to do that and then you were doing like active wear, I don't know. Although there is a little bit of that now, I suppose there's kind of like, you know, niche active oh God, wear brands changed. that are tacking into it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, when I'm looking at, you know, kind of people wearing P and Co now and, you know, having a look at their Instagram, they'd be wearing, you know, P and Co on a weekend and then they're training in their, you know, I don't know, Adidas kit on the weekend. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so yeah, they, you know, they're definitely kind of buying into different brands, but they still have that kind of same, 
um, that share those kind of similar values, I guess. So um, stick on the Instagram theme, I suppose. I saw something recently uh, and you suggested that influencers should mm. change the name to task, uh, sorry, tastemaker, taste, taste not maker. taskmaster, tastemaker. Tell me a little bit more about this. Why do you think this is? And like, I'm curious about your experiences with like creator-led marketing. Mm. I mean, that's, you know, we never internally use the term influencer because as a business and I think a collective kind of mindset within PNCO, you know, we, we ourselves wouldn't really want to be influenced. I don't think, mm. you know, to, mm. to be influenced, I think that just that kind of word, it's like, you know, you're convincing someone to do something. Um, I kind of had a bit of an, I guess, an issue with that. And, you know, we'd rather people discover things off of their own back and form their own opinions rather than being influenced into it. So I think this, my idea around, you know, rather than working with influencers, let's go and work with these kind of tastemaker people who are already operating in the space that we want to be, are respected, they align to our values, they will, you know, kind of, they get our brand and they like our, our products. So rather than going to influencers who are literally there to to influence people, let's go and work with people who are tastemakers and are, you know, kind of putting out content and being thought leaders within the motorcycle community or within the surf community yep. or in the coffee kind of community. So at, at the time, you know, we we did start with these kind of tastemakers who were, you know, I, I guess you'd call them micro-influencers. <laughs> but for us, these micro-influencers um, or tastemakers were the, the kind of the cornerstone of our community strategy. So it was, you know, let's go in the grassroots, let's de develop some really good relationships with people that we want to have relationships with, to be honest. Yeah. So, you know, if it was a barista in Birmingham who's known for creating the, the best coffee, let's let's go and, you know, have a conversation there and see if there's a story to be told. So we kind of worked with, with tastemakers in that way, where we'd go in and have a very kind of honest conversation. Um, and then we'd also try and tell their story on our platform to, almost exposed those guys to new audiences as well. So it was almost like a full, full circle approach. So you kind of have, you know, the idea you'd go away and create some content and then we would share it, they would share it. And then I guess you, you kind of start again, you know, every season that we'd launch a new collection or they, you know, kind of go into a new um, arena or you know, something that they were passionate about. So that's kind of how I, I frame it now. So rather than, you know, going after influencers, let's go after the tastemakers who are, who are operating within, you know, your kind of niche and that your customers would want to align to and want to find um, out about more. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I think I think it's a really um, sort of uh, mature take on the space. I, I think you're right. The influencer and manipulator seem like they're in some way aligned, right? Because it feels a bit like that. You feel like you're being manipulated into doing something. Which, okay, advertising is to some degree, right? It's like bringing you on a journey and making you do something that maybe you don't necessarily think you need or want, but whatever. Yeah, of course. <laughs> everything, <laughs> but, everything influences you, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. I totally, totally. <laughs> but, but I think, I think there's a couple of things on it. One, I, I do think that influencers, content creators, however sort of we would refer to them, I think it's much harder than what people give them credit for. Oh, uh, I totally, think, yeah. do you know what I mean? I feel Agreed. that like, if it was that fucking easy, why isn't everyone doing it? But like, and, and I do appreciate that I think there's a, a faction or there's a sort of undercurrent of that world that is quite toxic. And I think it's it has a quite a bad impact, you know, especially on younger people. I think that that is a thing. But like just the general concept of like 
fucking taking loads of photos of yourself and like i mean yeah, who's I got can... the energy to do? i could not do that so i really take my hat off to the ability for somebody to do that and then those are the guys that are dedicated and those totally. are the guys that are being the tastemakers within that totally. space and i'm not saying that you know i'm not trying to you know kind of say the influence doesn't work or you shouldn't do that but i just think that that word that these guys are tastemakers. They are out there every day. They're totally. in the gym. They're getting content. They're, I don't know, they're surfing. They are being, you know, kind of advocates for for their niche and their passions. And I just think influencers, you know, not not the quite quite the right word. Yeah. And I think that it probably, you know, again, it's a bit of a like fractured concept. And influencer, I think, gets dragged into go on to a reality TV show, mm-hmm. partner with some fast fashion brand and like, <laughs> that that that's that's kind of I think what people think of influencers, right? And I think that probably is quite true of that. But the content creator space, I think, is like it's far and wide, right? Like I've been getting into this like whole of <laughs> notion nerds on mm-hmm. YouTube, like trying to figure oh, out how to use same. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're content creators, right? Like, and yeah. they work with you know SaaS companies and stuff like that. Anyway, there's a a rather long discussion about content creators, but I really appreciate your thoughts, and I think I think it's a really interesting um, sort of take on the space. Something well, else that you said. Oh, go on. No, I just think that back to brand building and kind of what I'm doing now with with common agenda is you know really trying to get brands to think you know about where their position is and who they're trying to sell to and and who they're trying to service and and it all stems down to community. So you know I think that that's the first and foremost that should form part of your marketing and your brand strategy is who is the community you're going to kind of go after and how are you going to service them? Not just from a product sense, but, you know, how are you going to excite them? How are you going to engage them? And, you know, and frame that whole kind of strategy around involving these tastemakers that fit within that, you know, community. Because if, if you've not got an audience, you've not got a brand. So it's just so important to get that right. And that's why I've kind of spent a bit of time about that with, with clients that I'm working with. And ultimately, I just find it a super interesting space. Well, it's a good segue into common agenda. So, tell me about it. Like, what, what sort of tell me about the transition f- from from um, you know the brand into the agency, and like, what's the vision, and kind of where are you at? So, I guess the the transition was, you know, we 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 built P and Co, and we brought in some really talented kind of partners to to come in and 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 properly, you know, steer the ship, if that makes sense. So, I'm very much a, an entrepreneur. I like to work on a million different things at once and have a lot of ideas. Um, and to grow a you know a seven eight figure you know business, you've got to have processes. You've got to have people that have been there and done it before. And we were very lucky to partner with an uh, an agency called Cake. Uh, and kind of partner with those guys and were were enabled to really kind of focus in on you know the bottom line growing out these kind of channels and bringing in the right resource to to structure that out um and that kind of enabled me just to kind of you know i guess take a bit of time off (laughs) um and kind of um step back and kind of figure out okay we we've we got the brand to where we wanted it to be. I wanted to build a global brand. I'd kind of done that with, with P and co and I'd developed this, you know, kind of skill set over the years of brand building, of marketing, of community, of, of e-commerce. And at that point I was getting kind of contacted from, you know, quite a few interesting brands. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, kind of spoke to the, the guys and and the uh, the chairman at the time and kind of said, I think I'm going to go and go and do this now. <laughs> I'm going to go and kind of give it a go and, uh, uh, and 
you know, try and help other brands walk a similar path. Um, and yeah, through that, I've kind of landed on, on the agency, which is common agenda. Uh, and that is kind of where I am now in terms of working with other brands. So yeah, I kind of built P and Co to, you know, we kind of reached that goal of becoming a, a global brand. I've, I've been really pleased from, you know, what we've done there with the team and the talent that we brought in to grow the business. Um, and then at that point, I kind of wanted to go off and experience other industries. I wanted to mm-hmm. experience women's fashion or mm-hmm. cosmetics or, you know, manufacturing or, you know, bicycle making. So, you know, I've got all of these other interests and I kind of thought, well, how can I service that and be involved in brands that are in that space? So that kind of led me to launch Common Agenda, which is a boutique kind of consultancy um, that I, you know, kind of work with a whole host of different brands in different capacities now. And I really work with them in kind of drilling down, you know, where they are now, where they want to be and then we'll work on everything in between if it's a brand strategy or if it's a you know if it's marketing execution so we need to go and partner with a an agency that can kind Mm -hmm. of execute that so i guess common agenda is you know it is a kind of consultancy um agency in the d2c space uh that goes in and and kind of helps brands where they need it most and making and, ma- and makes good use of my network and my kind of skills over building PNCO. So I can kind of point, you know, if they need a new website, I'm able to kind of say, well, these are the people that I've used. Yeah, totally. You know, so I've got that kind of skills and experience. And I think some entrepreneurs, you know, they, they just need that, that mentorship and that kind of guidance. So, you know, they might have a budget of X amount. Where, where should we spend, you know, where's best to spend this cash? And I've been there and I've, distributed cash in different areas and I've kind of made mistakes. So now I'm able to kind of go, right, this is exactly what I would do. So it's, you know, you're cutting out some of those questions to have advice and mentorship and and help within the right areas that, you know, kind of done there and, and, and grown brands and been involved in businesses. So I'm curious then, do you wish you had a common agenda <laughs> type we- place to go to? Or did, yeah, did you guys ever have any of that as you were kind of building P&Co? I think we did, we did in a way. So we had, um, you know, our chairman, Chris, who yep. was, you know, kind of really helping me and the other guys kind of grow at the point. Um, and we also had the agency that we were working with at the time. So digital cake. So, and those, those people that I still work with now through common agenda. Yep. Um, so no, it, you know, it is, it is just fresh kind of problems that I'm looking for and brands that, you know, have big aspirations. So they want to become the next North Face or yep. I don't know, Pinarello. Yep. I'm working, I'm having some really interesting chats with some kind of big um startups at the moment. And it's um it's really exciting to be honest how things are gonna progress. Yeah, interesting. So then I, I'm curious to flip that question a little bit and say ask you, do you think you would have started Common Agenda without having done P and Co first? And like how helpful is that being an operator and then going into more of a consultative kind of arrangement, having actually done it. Because there's loads of consultants that (laughs) haven't actually done the doing right. And I feel that that's still super useful. And I think there's loads of, some have got like incredible academic qualifications, right? And that's super, super useful. But how important do you think the like, yeah, you're an operator and so you get the pain. (laughs) How useful is that in in the conversations you have with the common agenda clients? Yeah, I think it's really... um kind of natural for me as well now just to kind of play both both sides and kind of understand the middle ground i've so i've been kind of involved in in working with with founders at the grassroots 
who, to be honest, they just need mentorship. They just need to go and do the do and have a plan and execute on that. And I've also been involved in building out a complete kind of D2C team um, from from two people to kind of leading um, the business at eight um, and kind of using my experience at P&Co in team building have been able to bring in, you know, maybe different talent at different times that would have benefited them in a, a more significant way. So rather than kind of going, let's get, you know, these people in, you know, I'd kind of say, well, with this budget, I would hire, you know, these three key people. And then once they're embedded, then we can kind of go on that journey and building out the team further. So, you know, I've, I've experienced, <laughs> you know, from P&Co pretty much every part of the business, to be honest. So how to set up a fulfillment, you know, um, supply chain, how to, um, you know, kind of look at, you know, PNLs and raise funding, mm-hmm. how to kind of deal with with production, how to have difficult conversations with staff members. So I've kind of been involved in <laughs> in a lot of a lot of the different parts of business. But I wouldn't say that I specialize in any of any of those areas. Yeah. I've got a general knowledge of, you know, every part of a business in terms of a D2C business that you'll need to kind of um address to build a global, you know, D2C brand. Yeah. So that's kind of the uniqueness, I guess, of, of common agenda. Yeah, totally. And it's weird. I always find uh, it's interesting. You say that kind of like you're a bit of a, a generalist, and I think that that's super, super valuable, and especially for yeah, early big, stage. Big discussion, isn't it? I think <laughs> it is. But the, <laughs> I think what I always find interesting is when we take a step back from the DDC e-com world, that's actually quite niche. Mm. <laughs> like when you think about all of the industries, oil and gas, you know, pharmaceutical, legal, yeah. legal, automotive, whatever, Insurance. like we're, yeah. I mean, we really are quite niche and I, I, I struggle with that sometimes thinking like, oh shit, a bit too broad. But then I think fucking hell, we're like, it's still very, very niche. Um, I'm curious then like to take a sort of uh, forward lens, wh- where do you want common agenda to be in five years? I had originally five years, maybe that's too long a time frame. I mean, God knows what's going on. Especially politically, uh, I was going to say the next yeah. two hours. I thought, I thought you might mention that. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, yeah. I'm like, no, that's for another <laughs> podcast. Yeah, um, but yeah, let's say let's say in the next two years, like what, what what's the what, what would a success look like? Do you want do you want to build the team? Is it you know uh, potentially getting involved in some of the brands you work with, maybe from an equity perspective? Is it working with bigger brands? What does it look like? I think it's a bit of of all of that, to be honest, but I think at, at the moment, I'm just trying to really focus on working with brands that I can have an impact on and that we can deliver on where they want to be and, and their goals. So, you know, common agenda in five years time, I'd want to have, you know, 10 or 20, you know, successful brands that we've been a part of their journey and getting them from, you know, here to, or, you know, kind of low level startup phases to, you know, being global leaders within their space. So that's really what I want to, I want the agency to do is just enable, you know, founders and entrepreneurs and teams to kind of get to where they want to be and get there in an effective and sustainable way, you know, not burning through funding, you know, like there's, there's no tomorrow, just making sure they, they're using all of that capacity and all of that fuel in the right areas. And also through Common Agenda, involving partner agencies like web development or social media marketing, design in in a way that's going to benefit the the brand so rather than you know working with an agency because you know they're 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 leaders in i don't know cosmetics if we're trying to build a clothing brand and you need to you need to work with an agency that 
kind of been experienced within that space. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. bringing on the right, the right partners at the right time and, you know, being a part of some really interesting and, and big kind of success stories. Yeah. That's super, super interesting. Um, final question. What's the number one piece of advice you would give to somebody starting their own brand or, or, or agency, I suppose that's also a brand, but yeah, let's say more DTC brand. What's the number one piece of advice? Mm -hmm. Can be two. That's quite Maybe difficult. Two. It's just one. <laughs> it's just passion, I think, to be honest. Just, you know, if you're building something from scratch, you know, you've got to have passion. You know, you've you've got to make sure that you can wake up every single morning and think, right, I'm on this mission. This is what I'm going to do. And I think that if you, some of the brands and some of the kind of businesses that I've looked at over the years, if you look at their kind of founders and their team, they've all got that passion and they've mm. all got that drive. So, you know, don't underestimate how powerful that can be to a business and you know making sure that you know if you do have those kind of dark days <laughs> you do take some time off and look after yourself yeah. and look after the people around you and then as soon as you're ready you know get back on the on the track and and off you go right so some mental health days take it easy <laughs> when you're not when you're not feeling well but make sure you got the passion yeah 100 percent. i think that's a great way to end the podcast Alison, thank you so much for joining me no worries just him There you go, folks. Thanks so much for joining me. Before I go, a quick word from my sponsor, Clevio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. If you want to learn more, go visit them at clavio.com slash empty. And as always, if you like the episode, please leave a review, subscribe, download, and tell all your mates to do exactly the same. I'll see you next time. You know what they say about folk with glass jaws. <laughs>